There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. As Chris Cooper here, I'm delighted to be back with you again for yet another week. And uh, I realize that for many people around the world, this is a very, very challenging time at the moment with, uh, with coronavirus and uh, the impact that it's having globally. And I hope that all of you, although I'm sure you're all concerned with this, that you're able to um, also just, you know, come together and also to realize that uh, in the world after this could in some ways um, have some you know, areas of improvement. We've got an opportunity to test and do business differently. Uh, I think that I'm finding that uh, we're getting maybe closer, certainly we are, to full of family and connections and to our, uh, and to our people in our networks. Um, maybe this will give a little bit of a respite for the planet. Um, but... You know, this is uh, an opportunity for us to unite and to kind of come together. And I hope um, with this show that people have got time now to, as well, perhaps to sit and listen and to to learn and to experience. And and we've got a great show today. We've got an amazing amazing guest in Paul Hargreaves. We're going to talk about uh, an incredible book that I've uh, I really do endorse. I've really have enjoyed reading it called Forces for Good. And I think it will dovetail very nicely into into the conversation uh, today. Now, a new generation of businesses has been emerging, and you know that has really been around the need of working together to make a positive impact on the world by redefining what it means to be successful. You know, you've got to think today, really consider the impact of the decisions that we make, uh, and uh, we can join together in reducing poverty and injustice. There was so much concern around the environment, and we talk about this on this show, you know, the importance of, of people and also the planet. And, uh, you know, profit should come further down the line. It shouldn't be the first thing. There shouldn't be people earning 250 times what the average wage is in their company, for example. We're going to talk about some of that today. In the, in the context and light of uh, lots of people who at the moment are probably homeworking, uh, a lot of my clients are doing that right now and they're, they're shifting their staff uh, to work um, out from home. Um, but there's an opportunity to really, you know, as this pandemic develops and emerges and, and, end, and ends into a new kind of dawn, to also be thinking about other new ways to work. My youngest son, who's only 10, said something very profound to me the other day. He said, said Dad, he said, um, has God done this to us because we've not been looking after the planet well? And we're not a, a religious family here, particularly. I wasn't brought up in a religious background, but it did get me thinking. And I had thought a little bit of that myself. Did we need a pattern interrupt right now to actually put us onto a different trajectory, a different course, and to realize what is really important? Now, my guest today, Paul Hargreaves, is the founder. He's the, um, the CEO and, and owner of uh, a business called Cotswold Fair. 
And they started as a means of it started as a means of supplementing his income whilst um, he was engaged in charity work within inner city London. It uh, quickly grew to become the leading specialist food wholesaler in the UK. Um, Paul always wanted greater justice in the world, and he realised, as and has realised over the past twenty years, that businesses have this immense power to create a better world. He's a B Corp ambassador. We'll hear more about that, and he's inspiring many of the businesses to do their part to change the world for the better. So we'll discuss this, of course, in the light of um, the current world and lessons that are going on right now. And uh, we'll discuss some of the great insights in his new book, Forces for Good, Creating a Better World Through Purpose-Driven Businesses. And I'd also like to mention uh, my good friend, Sue Richardson, who uh, was involved with this book as well with Paul and introduced us together. Um, she does some tremendous work. If you ever want somebody to help you develop a book uh, like Paul's, then she's a great person to to go to. So, Paul, a huge welcome to the uh, show. Hello, Chris, and pleasure to be here. Oh yeah, lo- lovely to talk to you. Uh, really, really great. And I'm kind of. Let's just start before we start. We're going to talk about a little bit about coronavirus, obviously and the kind of the impact of that too in this story but i'm i'm really intrigued i'd I'd love to hear a a little bit about you and your background and you know the history that shaped who you are and what you stand for today well it's an interesting question that because i think i've only just realized fairly recently what the answer to that question um because my main one of my main drivers in life which i've only discovered recently is is the drive for justice so i've thought well why why am i like that you know each each person in the world has i believe a a unique purpose in their lives to do mine is to reverse injustice and i the only thing i can think of i i've had a privileged upbringing went to a a fee-paying school Uh, both my mum and dad were doctors but I lived in Manchester um, on the edge of one of the at the time it was one of the biggest council estates in Europe I think a place called Withenshaw and I was always troubled by the fact that I you know I I had a different life to many people living there and I, I didn't feel that was that was a good thing. Uh, there was a big difference between my life and theirs, and that made me uncomfortable. So I, I, I haven't come to any other conclusions yet. That's the main thing I've come up with in my reflecting on this: why injustice is such a is such a big thing for me. Yeah. So, so you kind of appreciate you appreciate it. I'm always trying with my children to help them appreciate that they're very fortunate to live where they live. At the moment, particularly with a you know, good-sized home and a, and a nice garden to get in, when we're all kind of in lock lockdown, but you were, but, but to you it was very evident where you lived that you could see how other people lived, and that was different to you, and you you felt that was unfair. Yeah, absolutely. And and whenever I go to other places that perhaps even more extreme, I'm thinking of South Africa, being one of the you know the worst examples, if you like, of of abject poverty next to affluence it's ridiculous i mean within 200 meters you can have a township and then these these huge houses with with security guards and i remember going on on holiday there many years ago and i 
I couldn't talk about the holiday for two weeks after I got back without crying because the injustice of of that situation upset. I mean, it was. Don't get me wrong. Enjoyed the, enjoyed the time there in many ways. But I was troubled by the even greater disparity, if you like, between the poor uh, and the rich over there. I, I don't know. I, I had a, you know, really fascinating holiday myself in, in South Africa along the the garden route from Plettenberg Bay to, to. Um, yeah, along that kind of stretch to Cape Town. And I don't know what I felt. A lot of places that I've been to, I know you and I have, have got a little bit of a passion for Kenya. I've met people in those environments who seem, even though they, they don't have wealth, there seems to be, you know, a kind of happiness and, but also in, in that, but also wel- welcoming, you know. But in South Africa, I, I kind of sensed uh, there was you know an energy that these people had been put down and they didn't even want to necessarily associate with you in the same way and i just found the whole thing quite quite sad just mm. yeah so i think that the remarkable thing that nelson mandela achieved was it, and the, the what the reconciliation he he achieved would not have been possible unless he got alongside the Afrikaners as well as his own people and didn't judge them and tried to be tried to treat them with respect as well and um that that's for me is why he stands out as one of the yeah. world's greatest ever leaders because of of being able to love <laughs> be, be able to love the people behind the injustice if you like and that's probably one thing that most of us struggle to do <laughs> well, if you did, did you did you stand in his salon when, when you were there. No, I didn't go to. I haven't been to Robin Island. Island. No, no. But um, yeah, it's a very I, you know small little little cell and in a sort of a courtyard where they walked outside, and also this sort of these sort of chalk cliffs where they used to have to labour each day. And mm. just the, the thought of being in there in the heat for twenty five years or whatever he was there for, and yeah, then also to yeah, come out. Yeah, yeah twenty seven. That's right. And then to come out with uh, with the the values and the approach that he did is phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've got so much respect for that guy. Um, it's uh, he, he is amazing. I'd recommend reading. I read it again, actually, The Long Walk to Freedom, yeah. which I read back in the day, but I read it again last year. And there's so much stuff in there that that help any any leader who wants to be a true leader. Um, there's so much material in there uh, for you. I definitely recommend that. And and you went on to do to do charitable work in inner cities initially didn't you and then and that's- yeah absolutely yeah yeah so i was doing that for for about 10 years um again you know without knowing really what was going on inside me i i guess it was driven by this in injustice thing so this was uh, inner city london uh at the end of the 80s uh, and into the 90s uh completely ravished by deprivation and uh, lack of investment um and it was a challenging time you know i've been into prisons probably nearly a hundred times quite often to see neighbors uh half our street were in and out of prison which was an interesting place to live i always felt quite safe living next door to the main burglar in the street because he he wasn't so stupid to do his next door neighbor pretty much (laughs) He pretty much did every other <laughs> every other house on the street, but um, 
I did find him in the garden once, but he, he soon moved on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just this, the yeah, again, kids, you know, we did a lot of work with, with children and uh, teenagers and just trying to input some values into them. But it was it was challenging because all uh, kind of came to the realisation that charity work really was just mopping up mess and how much better it would be if we did something to, to stop there being mess around um, in the first place. And uh, again, from hindsight, looking back on that time, how good would it have been to have started a business in that area yes. and recruited people and give them routine, give them wages and give them respect uh, by doing a job for a, a decent company. Um, didn't do that then. I've done it since. But um, looking back on it, I wish I'd, if I'd had my time again, I would I would be doing different, doing it in a different way, I think. And how did your your, your family feel about that? Because you were educated at Oxford, weren't you? Which was pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive. And then, you know, to go from... <laughs> In Oxford to inner city London, working in these deprived areas, living on a street with, uh, with <laughs> burglars, and you know, how did how did that go down? It- yeah, well, mum and dad were were slightly nervous about visiting, but um, <laughs> I kind of had already broken the ice a bit on that front because I the job I had straight after with my zoology degree from Oxford was uh, driving a lorry. Um, and my parents were massively embarrassed by that. In fact, they used to tell their friends at, at dinner parties that Paul's in distribution now. <laughs> well, actually, I am now. But back, back in the day, I was just a driver. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I used to get a phone call every Saturday of uh, asking whether I got a proper job yet. So that was the, the, the lorry driving. But yes, they, yeah, they didn't find it. And then I did have a problem. For, for three years in sales which has been very useful obviously for the business and then I, t- I did remember the phone call very vividly when I told, rang my dad and said I was um, leaving the job this is aged 25 I think uh, and he started talking what, you, what, what are you going to do about superannuation and I said what what superannuation I had no idea what it was I still don't actually I think it's something to do with pensions but uh no, he was. He thought I was uh, taking early retirement. I think at twenty-five, so <laughs> didn't go down terribly well. But um, they they got used to it in the end. So so you, so we just got um, a couple of minutes, and so so Cotswold Fair. What what you say you're in distribution? What do they do, and what's the purpose it, of the business? Yeah, so we're 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 a specialty food wholesaler. So we buy lots of nice products from loads of artisan producers all over the uk and and some products we can't get in the uk we go further afield for and we sell and distribute those products to independent retailers all over the uk um so we're doing we're reducing carbon the very business model reduces carbon because it means people can get lots of nice products from one delivery rather than than 50 and the business arose um from people being besieged with too many orders too many deliveries coming into the store and they, they, they lost control of it so we kind of make the life easier for those farm shops delis and garden centers food halls all over the uk excellent and, and you've got a you, your b corp ambassador you've uh, got some very good principles in the business very purpose driven we're going to find out more about that after the break and then you know find yeah. out how we can you know some of the things lessons that you learned in that kind of journey that can really help us all 
who are interested in making that transition to really being a force for good in whatever we do. So we'll be back again with everybody in just a couple of minutes to join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Paul Hargreaves. We're talking about his, the background to his life at the moment, which is leading us to talk to about forces for good. And uh, before the break, we, we found out a little bit about his history and Cotswold Fair and uh, inner city working. And, and, and one of the things that you do is, or, or that is important to you, is, is B Corp. Um, tell us a little bit about what that is. So B Corps are businesses that have rewritten their articles of association to say they're not just there to make money, they're there for people, for the planet, and yes, also profit as well. So you may have heard of the the three Ps, it's people, planet, profit, but B Corps not only have kind of embedded that in their constitution, if you like, but they're assessed every, it used to be two years, it's now three years on exactly how good they are for the world so it's not just you've heard of the term greenwash probably which is companies that are making themselves look good but actually underneath it maybe maybe not so good well as a b corp you have to provide evidence with how you are imp- impacting your local community for good how you are good for your employees how you're good for on the environmental side and how you're good for with people up your supply chain and and all that stuff. So, and the interesting thing about it is, 
not only is it a great community being to be in, but every year you assess, every three years now you assess, the bar actually gets higher. So you have to continue to improve in all areas in order to, to maintain your certification. So it's a challenging organization to, to be in. There's only 250 something now in the, in the UK. Uh, as it happens, a lot of them are in the food and drink space, actually, which is obviously good for us. Quite a few of our suppliers and some of our customers are. So it's, um, it's a challenging organization to be part of. But the only one I'm aware of where you actually have to prove that you're good for the world. And that's obviously what I believe in, is what I've written the book about, is why businesses should be primarily good for the world and not just for the the guy owning it who's uh, making lots of money. <laughs> that sounds, doesn't sounds, work anymore. <laughs> no, it sounds really, really invigorating and very valuable. You know, think of assessments like ISO 9000 and, BS five seven five zero and things like that, and you know this is on a, you know a different kind of plane and different mm. kind of angle, isn't it? Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, we we should just chat about just before we go into your book, but obviously we have got this challenge with coronavirus right now, and I just wonder what you know what are you doing about it in your business and industry, and as we we all shift to maybe home working and things like that. Mm. So, well, fortunately for us, obviously being in the food and drink retail space, uh, not not the the catering world, all all our kind of fellow wholesalers that are supplying restaurants and hotels, etc., obviously having an awful time at the moment. All that bit volume has moved into to retail, so we've had a ridiculous couple of weeks. Had very challenging because we we can't get the stock into the warehouse quick enough but at the same time as being two or three times busy than normal uh, we've been trying to move all the people that that sit in the office normally uh to working at home and some of these people have never ever worked in, at home in their lives before so it's been um it'll be an interesting cultural challenge i think over the next couple of weeks to maintain the sense of fun and enjoyment and and good productivity we have in the office and to Ensure that continues to happen with people um, spread all over the area in their houses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you have you had a? I mean, if that's obviously a key insight from this this sort of scenario. Is how how are you going to do that? Have any other insights popped up about uh, you know maybe having to trust people now to go out and do that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have a, a fairly good culture anyway. In fact, I was talking to someone earlier today that runs a manufacturing. Um, business one of our suppliers and they said a lot of the people that they didn't feel were really with them have actually gone off sick they you know, haven't got the virus i wouldn't have thought most of them but they've it's difficult to uh, challenge people at the moment isn't it if they decide they don't want to work they, they just go so we, no one in in our company has has done that they're all working hard and and being productive i think the challenge for us is to to main, maintain the sense of fun that that we have and obviously that's a lot easier if you're face to face with people so using tools like um, Microsoft Teams and Zoom and things like that we would need to discipline ourselves to have make sure we have times when we relax and um, have a bit of fun as well as working hard. Mm. Something I liked so the, in the introductory sort of chapters in your book you you talk about your kind of experience and your your, your learning and how this 
the there's these sort of values that you have kind of came to life and mm. and one thing that one little sort of phrase in there that got me thinking quite a bit which i think is just worth talking about because it may be insightful for people is that you you say that you know too many people are secretly in one role and wishing they were in another maybe some of those people mm. who are engaged in some of those companies you just talked about uh, and are going off sick could be examples of that um yeah just tell us a little bit about that because there was an insight in there that i think was was very very helpful for people who are maybe thinking i should be somewhere else right now yeah well i think when i was when i was writing that i was talking about me as well actually so <laughs> um i think for the early years of the business i kind of half believed it was a it was a good thing to do to have a business that was in some way making the world a better place but i i probably some of me wanted to be abroad mm. and doing stuff in a, an orphanage somewhere or, or something like that so I, I was thinking of myself in, in some respects but um one thing i found actually yeah i've talking to people there are a lot of people like this there are a lot of people who separate their work life and their social life and and actually this time we've got at the moment is is forcing all that to, to mush together um so you know you have those conversations where people all people want to talk this is a classic hairdresser conversation isn't it where you going on holiday and what you're doing at the weekend and it's as if we get work out of the way and then we can enjoy life that for me has never worked and that's not you know it's only really been the the western worldview that's created that dichotomy Back in the day, before the Industrial Revolution, pe people's lives were their lives. They didn't have this split between their work life and their the rest of their lives, and they and generally enjoyed their lives. And uh, that's something for me that this potentially this time with the coronavirus might actually help uh, blur those lines a bit. And uh, so, one thing I've found helpful on this is um, something called Ikigai, which is a, a Japanese philosophy. Uh, it's actually from the island of Okinawa, which some people might know that that's where most people live to be over 100 years old, anywhere in the world. So something's working, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine four circles, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers Venn diagrams from school. So those four circles intersecting, um, I think it was generally two with a Venn diagram. So imagine four of those all intersecting with each other, and then there's a bit in the middle that is the four all touching each other. That's Ikigai. And the four circles are, and if you do these four things, and I've learned this through experience, I've been all over this diagram. But if you do four things, one is doing something you love. Second, doing something you're good at. Third, getting paid for it. And fourth, doing something the world needs. If you're achieving those four things in terms of what you're doing, in terms of your work, then that is the peak of fulfillment and actually the peak of happiness too so as i said i've been all over that diagram in the past but i say probably now in the last year or so probably at my the closest to to icky guy that i've been which is um it's good and I'm, my role as an employer would be to get as many people who work for me at their peak happiness and peak fulfillment and if i've done that yeah happy days and i'm really pleased to say that in in staff surveys we've done over the last couple of years one there's one question in there very simple question do you enjoy coming to work simple yes no answer 
first time we put that in, 100%, yes. And we, we did actually check whether the no button was working. Because <laughs> even I was surprised by the results. And, um, yeah, it, it was true. That, that Wow, okay, fine. I can take the rest of the week off as, as the boss, as it were. If everyone who comes to work for me is enjoying being at work, then happy days. You've got a good company. The thing, the thing I get from talking to you, I think it, it's something we both share in our philosophy is that you know people people kind of come first uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget when 25 30 years ago when I, I graduated and was doing my first week of, of uh, a graduate's role in the motor industry a senior executive who was retiring that week the sales director coming along to my desk and said Chris could I leave you with one message you're starting your career I'm finishing mine today there's one message I'd like to leave you with and he said it's this People are everything, and he walked off and left me with it for thirty years. And um, you know, we're talking about people, planet, and profit in that order. You know, you very much believe that, don't you? That people, and, and I hear it in your language, that if we've got fulfilled, engaged, motivated, inspired people, then we're going to be better off ultimately. Um, and I suppose the reality is that we're, we're here to serve people, aren't we? We're here to employ people to service yeah. people. And if we can also contribute to the planet as well, that's got to be good. But it all it all goes through people. Yes, I mean I wouldn't necessarily put them in order. I think they, you you hold them all equally. But one bit of revelation for me was so people. I think we we've always been decent with people for for Cotswold Fair. In terms of the the B Corp ideals, we probably didn't. Well, we I know we didn't score as well in the in the planet area the first time we assessed as a B Corp in 2015. But in recent years, we've got a lot better at that. But that's been driven for me. I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Actually, I was I was doing. A, in fact, this was before as I was writing the book, I was trying out some of the material in a um, chamber of commerce meeting in in Worcester. I think it was. And I started, I you know, did the people bit, come onto the planet bit, and I put a slide up on the screen of um, a load of Bangladeshis wading waist deep in water who'd basically been flooded out of their homes and carrying all their possessions with them. And I put this slide up on the screen, there's about 100 people in the room, and I, I started crying. It was actually, well... I do actually cry a lot these days, but this was the first time in public. <laughs> Happens every week now. But and, and, oh my goodness! So I couldn't talk for a couple of minutes, which was a bit embarrassing. But um, it, it connected the planets and the people for me that moment because yeah. climate change, at the end of the day, is killing people. And I'm I'm going to get emotional because <laughs> we've got to realise this that Western businesses by their insensitive actions that's a mild way of putting it have killed people and climate change is a bad thing for us it's far worse for poor people in the world um, who have less resources less ability to deal with it and if we don't do something about this we you know coronavirus will look insignificant with the number of people that die because of climate change, that we absolutely have to do something about it. I think one of the challenges of this, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the challenges of the time we're in now is look at all the resources that's gone into defeating this virus. If we put 
just some of those resources into reversing climate change, how much could we achieve? And I think we need to look at this when the obviously the virus is the main thing at the moment. But I do think this may lead on to to action on climate change, which will save more lives than the work being done on the virus at the moment. I mean, do, do you think, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting point. I, I sort of hark back to the little statement that my son son gave to me and said, said, and we don't tend to talk about God on this show. It's, um, <laughs> but, but it's interesting, you know, it came out of him. He's not from a religious background, but he said, you know, has God done this to us because we're not, we've not been looking after the planet properly. And, and you do kind of wonder whether you know, the way we're going to have to come together with the coronavirus, the way that we are, you know, integrated with other other countries, um, is this leading and paving the way then for us to maybe come together? If we've got any money left, of course, to, yeah, to do something. Yeah. On it. Maybe we yeah. couldn't. Maybe we couldn't do that without this. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just trying to find it, but I can't. The, the, your son's very in tune with uh, today's journalism because there's an article in the, the Guardian, basically, and that's the title: "Is this nature's way, of, alerting us to the problem?" It was the something like that was the name of yes. the, the article. I, I do think you know, obviously, no, hardly any cars on the road at the moment, uh, no planes flying. We will see a small difference to the carbon in the atmosphere at the end of this. And I hope the fact that we can make a difference by just stopping for a month will help more people realize, actually, we can reverse this thing. It's not all doom and gloom. We can turn this around if we change our behaviors. I think that will be one of the good things that comes out of this virus epidemic. I've, you know, that bit of emotion that you shared there about the way businesses are doing damage to poor people in other parts of the world how do we get that over to that message over to executives who are maybe earning 250 times mm. the average income of their employees oh, crikey um well this is a tricky one because one of the best ways i've seen of impacting people is actually to take them to those places and to let them see the damage now obviously this it's a bit of a a uh, tough one that catch 22 because generally you have to fly there to get there but so i we've got this project in in kenya that i'm involved in and i've taken various people with me both who work for me and those who, who don't but suppliers and other connections and one guy i took was a, a, a big huge dairy farmer in west wales and took him into a situation never been to anywhere like that with the poverty there we're sitting in our little hut in, uh, of the evening no electricity then we've since paid to put that in but your solar light runs out about half past eight so you've got nothing else to do but talk to each other which is actually mm -hmm. great as well and also <laughs> what's happening at the moment was we're all locked in our houses but he he said to me on about the second day there he said paul thank you for changing my life i said what what, what were you talking about lawrence he said yeah you've it's changed my life coming here. I'd only been there 48 hours, but he'd never seen the impact of some of the stuff that we we do in the West. And he's a farmer, so he was seeing what a, a nightmare it was with the seasons all changing, the rains all over the place. And that obviously had a big impact on him as a farmer. And that, you know, that's, that stuck with me. This was several years ago. And um, yeah, just seeing 
the damage we're doing, you don't need to go there a lot, but just going and seeing it once, I think, will change people and will change their behaviour. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I went out to Kenya with a with a leadership group and some very some senior, very senior leaders. And I remember one in particular who was each night at the beginning he was holding court and talking about this huge, amazing job he had. And you know, he was like uh, felt like he was the king amongst the group. And I could see he was going to end up with a fall. And you know, having, having visited the Kibera, the biggest slum in Africa with us and then spending time out within a Maasai tribe by the end of the the trip he, he, you know he was he couldn't stop crying and he mm. he made a huge change actually left the job a few months later his children were were studying in the England he was out in the far east and uh, they they're now together and he's he's on a new chapter of his life but that experience yeah. helped him to see the, mm. the the errors in his thinking really yeah, uh, it absolutely. was very very, very yeah. powerful so we need to yeah. get people out to experience it, don't we? Absolutely, yes. And everyone I've taken has done exactly that. Yeah. They cried nonstop for two weeks. We're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break, we'll talk a little bit more about um, about how we can we can service the planet through our businesses. We'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You were tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Paul Hargreaves. We're talking about Forces for Good, um, an incredible book that he's written on the subject. And Paul, I think will be really helpful actually this this phase because I know in your book you share some really good examples. You know, practically, maybe what are what are two or three things that that you found very effective when it comes to uh, helping people uh, and uh, helping you become you know force for good with people. And maybe we'll then ask the question around around planet. But let's start with people. You've got some good tips in your book about things that you have found have really worked. Yeah, so you're talking about our people that work for the company, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've always believed in, in giving people decent holidays um, because I think people need time away. And then you, you always, if you're generous with holidays, you always get a lot more 
back as well and also less sickness obviously in the business so something we've actually introduced fairly recently is uh, letting people have sabbaticals once they've been with us for seven years uh, so they can either take two weeks extra holiday full pay or four weeks part pay the only rule is they have to join it to an, at least another week of normal holiday so it forces people to have a long time away um Sadly, one person that's just taken advantage of that has um, went to was going to do a kind of round the world trip and uh, ended up in stuck in New Zealand, uh, and so he's had to cut all his sabbatical shorts, and he's back with us on Monday. But uh, that's that's a that's a big one for me is giving people plenty of time off. Obviously, flexible working again. Look, how many times have we said this. Um, good will come out of the virus. More people working at home, juggling children, and some, I mean, this is moving anyway, but a lot of old-fashioned employers don't aren't flexible. I've heard of that, some recently, actually. Um, I won't say which businesses, but being ridiculously inflexible, even with the current situation. I mean, it's madness. So I think... Um, yeah, flexibility, lots of time off, and you end up with with happy people that are productive. And it, it's it the, it's about being generous and trusting you'll get it back, and you do. But some people aren't of that attitude, although they hold on uh, far too many rules, not generous, and they don't get it back. They don't get it back in loyalty, commitment, and longevity of their employees. So that that would be the the highlights probably of that bit for me. Yeah, times are. Are changing, aren't they? I was I was chatting with one of my clients yesterday, and they they their offices are on a, a high street, and they've got a actually they provide a bit of a banking service on the on the high street as well as part of their business. And they sort of said they were just surprised and and shocked by how many people were on the street, but they're all of the sort of 65, 70, 80 age group who are just so habitually focused and used to just every day going into town that's mm. even though there's this situation going on they're, they're struggling to to not keep on doing it and and, and i see that sometimes i mean yeah. a bit older than me who are brilliant in the and amazing and flexible but there's also a contingent of people who are, are very fixed in their ways and can't see another way and uh, maybe something like this will will kind of force some of that change yeah i'm sure it will definitely yeah and what about the planet then what 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 have you? You know, you help them with an orphanage in in Kenya, for example. What ways are you seeing businesses really engage on you know, on this sort of planetary area? How would B Corp recommend people go about doing this? And yeah, so B Corp's um, obviously working towards carbon neutrality. Um, we think we can get there a lot quicker than the the government thinks we can. Twenty fifty, I think. If that, if we, if we make it to then, I'm not sure what kind of planet we'll we'll have. So, most B Corps have have declared a climate emergency. Um, a lot of them have had extinction rebellion people at their board meetings, and mm-hmm. obviously, as I said earlier, uh, as it happens, and totally uh, fluke really. But our whole business model is a carbon reducing business model. So, our uh, we're trying to drive our carbon reduction throughout the the business, and um, we made a huge change last year. Moved 
warehouses and changed the way we did the distribution. It's too complicated to go into here, but we we reduced the miles our goods travel by 1.7 million miles just by changing the 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 way we did the logistics. Basically, it's less stuff going to a hub in the Midlands and more going direct from a, a warehouse to direct to the shops, and um, that enabled us to reduce our carbon by 46 percent. And um, it is, we are now continuing to try to reduce that, and we will do. You know, as soon as electric lorries are available, we'll be using them. But we're now in a position that the, the offset cost of the rest of the carbon is doable uh, with the business. So, And everything else, we measure carbon everywhere in the business in terms of our activities. And we are actually completely carbon neutral now, uh, as I said. Some of that is offset, and our aim is to to not be offsetting but be carbon neutral but transport lorries aren't going far enough yet the electric ones so that's that's our aim and, and most b corps are totally aligned with that so explain the the, the off, offset I, I remember when i was in working in supply chain and then then logistics you know offsetting was things like paying a contribution or, or, or buying various tokens and things like that yeah to then so good things are done with the money but just explain how that works. Yeah, so we we use an organisation called Client, um, what's it, CarbonNeutral.com, um, and we were using another company that did various projects. But those guys will come and audit you. So for this to work, you need very good data. This is the thing that we we haven't had in the past. But obviously, you need good data on all. You need to be able to know how much carbon you're generating with all your your activities and then they you know they're doing stuff mainly in south america to suck out that carbon out of the atmosphere um and, and we we chose the two projects that fulfilled most of the um unsdg goals as well so they're they're environmental projects but they're also relieving poverty and dealing with uh, water issues and stuff like that so yes i mean it's an outsourced thing the offset for us at the moment but um as i said hopefully we'll we'll we'll, we'll be spending less with them as we become uh, closer to absolute zero rather than net zero and how are you finding this is impacting on profit well that's a good question i mean sadly a lot of our retail customers up till now have not really taken that into account with their buying decisions it's all about price, 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 profit, profit, profit for them. However, I do detect a change, and there is a, probably a, a more awareness of B Corp than was six months a year ago. And I do think retailers, maybe even particularly after this crisis we're in at the moment, will think about their buying decisions a bit more about than just being about money. So I would say it's had little commercial advantage so far, but I expect it to have a significant one moving forward I, mean, do I, don't, I don't really mind in one way as we're doing it because it's the right thing to do yes but i do think that with both the people and the planet stuff you almost don't need to look at the profit clearly we do we've got a head of finance as everyone else has but if you look at being good for people good for planet the profits follow Whereas if you just look at the profits and oh, we'll do a bit of people stuff and planet on the side, that doesn't really work. So if you're focusing just on being good for people, good for the planet, 
I absolutely believe the profits will follow if you're doing that. And more, more and more so as time goes on. Because consumers have had enough. In fact, consumers are way ahead of retailers, um, but which is why I'm confident the retailers will change. Yeah. And one, one of the principles I took from your book around uh, B Corp, was it that uh, you know, no B Corp company would have a situation where the the founders or the senior people in the company are earning more than five times the salary of the average the average salary within the company. Um, whereas yeah. some of the big corporates, you, you say, mention that uh, averages can be well in excess of 250 oh. times, you know, which just seems yeah. seems immense. It, 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 it's staggering. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's a lot less than five, actually, I will say, just in case any of my team are listening. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> Yeah, no, there was a story in the news uh, in the UK, wasn't there, um, uh, just beginning of this year or end of last, about Bet365. And I think the, the owner of that company was um, earning something, $170 million or something like that. And people were saying, oh, well, that's all right. There's lots, she's just created loads of jobs in, in Stoke-on-Trent. No, no worries. Well, how do you think those people feel? Yeah. Knowing that the person they're working for is earning that silly amount of money, they're not exactly going to be over the moon, are they? Let's face it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it, how can you be happy working for a company where the person that owns the company or the shareholders are making ridiculous amounts of money on the back of what you're doing and you're earning hardly enough to live on? It's it's hardly sustainable, is it? And you think, well, that the 165 million. If, was, if they were earning, if they earning five million from what they were doing, rather than 170, that 165 million, what that could be could do in terms of impacting ah, other people's yeah, lives in, in in different parts of the world is is phenomenal, isn't it? Yes, yes, no, absolutely. It's it's. I don't even understand people's mentality that they feel comfortable doing that personally. Ah, it, it it's uh, it's astonishing. You can't take it all with you, can you? I can't take any of it with you, I don't think, can no. you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's people that think, oh, it's all right, when I retire, I'll, I'll give back, I'll do voluntary work and stuff like that. Well, that, A, you may not get there, but, but B, it, the implication with that is it's not enjoyable to give away now. And I, I believe it is. Those that are giving away to the world, that's back to that icky guy thing again one of those circles being good for the world. It's not, it's not painful um, to be doing good. It actually does us good when we do good and look out for other people and are kind and generous and, and makes us happier. It doesn't make us less happy, but there's this thing in the West that we, we think somehow it's, it, we're going to be miserable if we're, if, we're, if we're giving away stuff rather than getting it all for ourselves. Yeah, we have the mentality of, of hoarding, which uh, nothing flows when you do when you do that. Oh, so we've just got a, a couple of yeah. we've got a couple of minutes now till the interview's yeah. over. I'm afraid, and I, I just Quickly, wonder. <laughs> yeah, it's gone quick, hasn't it? It's been 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 fascinating, and it sounds to me like people should go and you know maybe check out B Corp, and even whether they're you know within the capabilities of um, of being a 
one of the 250 in the UK or the global shows or, or, or sort of globally. But it sounds like there's probably principles within there that we should all know about and that can be you know, valuable just to share and communicate to help the world um, become a better place. But I, I just wonder, have you got a you know, final message that you'd like to leave us with? Well, I think probably just coming back to our current virus situation, I've written, I've got a whiteboard in my office. I'm doing a, a presentation next week online, of course, not face-to-face, as it was meant to be originally. Um, and I've written one word on there at the moment. It's called interruption. And I do think we should take this time of interruption. Most of us have had our, our lives interrupted by this this virus to think about what we're doing with our business, what we're doing with our personal lives, how happy we are and that, for me, could be one of the best things to come out of this, that we change what we're doing, do it differently, maybe do stuff differently with our family. And it could be a complete reset for the world. Well, I hope it is. Yeah. Uh, Paul, it's been a tremendous pleasure talking to you. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, very valuable. For, if you're interested in finding out more about Cotswold Fair, go to Cotswold, that's C-O-T-S-W-O-L-D hyphen fair, F-A-Y-R-E dot co dot UK. Uh, for B Corporation, that's bcorporation.net. Um, check that out. And also, importantly, go and buy Paul's book, um, Forces for Good. It's uh, it's on available from booksellers like uh, Amazon. And um, absolutely brilliant. Really, really important. Really important for today. People, planet, profit um it all makes an enormous amount of sense and uh, believe me we'll be talking about this lots more on the show going forward and um yeah hope someday you'll join us again paul and on next week's show we've got luke peters uh, luke is um is, is a ceo and founder of a number of businesses in the united states he does a lot of that through influencer marketing utilizing the likes of youtube so we're going to talk about how we can do this but also within that frame of of, of uh, being concerned about ultimately about the uh, the environment and uh, people and and the like. So do join us again for Luke Peters next next week. Find out more. Be, becoming online is becoming even more important with the coronavirus, and uh, we'll find out more about how to utilise YouTube to be able to do that to create your own marketing that spreads and spreads and spreads, but in a positive way. Obviously, you take care, everybody. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. If you've got any questions, comments, uh, get in touch with me at Chris at ChrisCooper.co.uk. Always love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 